I want, want you to start, we're going to start off turning to the book of Matthew. Book of Matthew, chapter 14. And I want to talk to you tonight about a miracle, a miracle that's found in all four Gospels. During our special meetings, when Pastor Fryman was preaching, he was talking about the book of John. And he made a, a reference that resonated with me, having an art background. He said, it, he took us to that passage in John where, uh, John 20, verse 31, but these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. And John adds that there's lots of other signs and things that Jesus did that weren't in his gospel, but Brother Fryman pointed out it's like a art exhibit where you take an artist who has a big body of, of work, a lot of paintings or sculptures, and you pick certain ones to showcase something about that artist. And that stuck with me because John chose the miracle that we're going to talk about in his gospel. And I believe on that evening... He was talking about the feeding of the 5,000. And that is a significant miracle. And John says he recorded that because it is part of God's purpose through John's gospel. What God wanted to communicate in John's gospel, that miracle had a reason for being there. And the title of the message is A Miracle in All Four Gospels because there's two. The second one is the resurrection. And obviously, the resurrection of Jesus is the foundation of our salvation. And it's not, it can't get any more important than that. But that miracle of the 5,000 is also recorded in all four Gospels. And it's the only miracle that is recorded in all four besides the resurrection. So that must be really important too. And just like John chose to include that miracle for the purposes that he had in writing his gospel, the other three gospel writers had the same reason for their purposes in, in communicating what God wanted communicating in their gospels. So maybe we should pay attention to this. And so we are going to walk through all four accounts of this miracle, and we're not going to read the entire passage we're going to look at certain verses because each one records some other details that another one doesn't. And so we're going to look at some of those things and we're going to consider it in the light of the purpose of the writing of each of these Gospels. So in the book of Matthew, one of the overarching themes of the book of Matthew is that Jesus is king. The king promised to the Jews, especially. And often in the book of Matthew, it's, it's written that he did this or that, which was in fulfillment of the scriptures, pointing out for the Jewish people that he is the king that was promised to them. And that's one of his purposes. And if we think of it as king, he is in command and he is in control. At all times. He is the ruler. 
he gives the orders, or he should. So in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, let's consider verse 15. And it says, And when it was evening, his disciples came to him, saying, This is a desert place, and the time is now past. Send the multitude away, that they may go into the villages and buy themselves victuals." So, just to start with a little bit of the context, Jesus takes his disciples, and they just had heard about the execution of John the Baptist, and they'd just gotten back from being sent out by Jesus to preach the gospel and to heal, to cast out devils, and they, they came back rejoicing, and he says to them, okay, let's, let's, let's get away from here, because there wasn't... It was so much going on that they didn't even have time to eat properly. And so he takes them up to a desert place. And the people realize, oh, he's leaving. They took a boat, but the people ran on foot after him. The boat sailing along the coast. And they followed it. And they get to that place. And it doesn't say how long Jesus had with his disciples, but it doesn't seem like a very long time at all. And then there's this multitude there, this 5,000. And that 5,000 is just men. It doesn't include the women and children. And so we're probably looking at maybe 15,000 people on this thing that was supposed to be a getaway for Jesus and his disciples. And so they're there. As we'll see, Jesus has compassion on them. He heals them. He teaches them. And it gets late. And the disciples realize there's a problem. And so in verse 15, this is what's leading them to say, this is a desert place. The time is now past. Send the multitude away so they can get something to eat, find a place to maybe rest. But in the light of the Gospel of Matthew and showing Jesus as king, here's the disciples trying to tell Jesus what to do. Lord, this is what you need to do. You need to send these people away. You need to let the, get them out of here, and we'll get back to our time, and they can take care of themselves. They were trying to command the king. They were trying to command the Lord, telling him what to do. <clears throat> well, Jesus, as king, he tells them what to do in verse 16. But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. They don't have to go anywhere. You guys take care of it. He's giving them a command. As we look at these verses through here in the book of Matthew, this account, everywhere you definitely get the the sense that what Jesus says are commands. You guys, you do it. A need seen is an assignment given, right? But he tells them to take care of it. Then we look at verse 17. And they say unto him, We have here but five loaves and two fishes. So they're reporting to him how much food they have. Because actually in the book of Mark, he tells them to find out. Okay, I want you guys to feed them. Feed them. So go find out how much food we have. And so dutifully... They come back and they report, this is all we've got. This is all we have. Verse uh, verse 18. 
He said, bring them hither to me. All right, go get them. Let's, 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 let's do this. Come on. Again, commanding his disciples. He is in control. They try to come and tell him what to do. No, he is in control. Go do this. Take care of that. He is Lord. He commanded that the loaves and fishes be brought to him. He gives another command right on the heels of that. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the grass and took the five loaves and the two fishes. And looking up to heaven, he blessed and brake and gave the loaves to his disciples and the disciples to the multitude. He told the multitude what they needed to do. And we see in another, another one of the Gospels, he tells them how to do it in companies of 100 and companies of 50s. I want you people to sit down like this so we can have dinner. He gave them their seating assignments because he is Lord. There's a way that he wanted things done. He makes them sit down. But we notice, interestingly, that Jesus doesn't give any commands about passing out the bread and fish. He doesn't say give this much to this 50 and give this much to 100. No, he lets his disciples take care of that. Because Jesus was in control. He didn't have to worry about being in charge of the fellowships here. On that day when we have the fellowship, I'm always nervous. Do we have enough food? And sometimes you guys get instructions. When you go through the line the first time, take it easy and come back around for seconds. And there usually is. Praise the Lord. Jesus didn't have to worry about anybody asking for seconds because he was in control. He knew how much he was going to provide. And he was going to provide it. So much that they were were filled. There was no no limits. And so... The apostles could just take what he was giving them and load them up. He didn't have to worry about that. In another place, John 6, 12, Jesus commands his disciples to gather up the leftovers. So not only were they supposed to just disperse it abundantly and not worry about it, but then he says, go get the leftovers. And then in Mark, at the end of it all, he tells his disciples to get in a boat and go while he sends the multitude away. Now it's time to send them away. Jesus is in control. He says, you guys go away first, and I'll send the multitude away. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. Jesus gives the orders. And we read in John 6.15 that the people, when they saw this miracle, when they saw that everybody ate and ate as much as they wanted, what was on their mind? We're going to take him and make him our king. And Jesus knew it. So the people that he just fed and did this miracle to and did the healing for and did the teaching to, he said, well, this guy, this guy is in command and this guy can do it. This guy can do anything. Let's make him king. And Jesus is king. He is king of all creation. 
And he will rule on this earth one day. But remember the last time that the people had decided that they needed a king. They got Saul. And Jesus is going to take the throne of the world in his timing. He will be king one day. But he doesn't need man to put him there. He is coming and he's going to take it with authority and with power. But right now, you need to make him Lord in your life. He's not going to take the throne of your heart with authority and power. You do need personally to put him there. And now is your chance before he comes back with authority and power. Because he is king. When he came the first time, he didn't come to be king that time. Which leads us to the second gospel, the book of Mark, chapter 6. Turn to Mark, chapter 6. The purpose of Mark's gospel is that Jesus is a servant. The God of all creation came to earth. He is king, and he will be bodily and present as king on the earth. But the first time he came, he came as a servant. And as the perfect servant, he puts everyone else's needs first. And he showed that, especially in this account here in Mark. Mark chapter 6, verse 31. And again, Mark, Mark tells us that uh, what happened with John the Baptist in particular and tells how the apostles came back and told Jesus. Uh, verse 30, the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught Verse 31, and he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and goings, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. Jesus wanted to meet the disciples' need of rest. They had just gotten back, and they had just gotten this, this grave news. Jesus knew. And he wanted his disciples to have some time away. That was his focus. That was what he wanted. He wanted what they needed. He was a servant. And in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we touched upon it already. The disciples, when Jesus was healing and teaching... The disciples noticed a need when the day was now far spent. Verse 35, and when the day was now far spent, and his disciples came to him and said, this is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country roundabout and into the village, buy them bread, for they have nothing to eat. So the disciples saw a need. 
But the disciples, their reaction was to let those people take care of the need themselves. Send them away. Let them deal with it. They saw that they had a need. And these guys, his disciples, probably had the same need. They were there all day too. They had traveled with him. They had been out there in the elements all afternoon listening and and watching Jesus. And they were probably hungry and tired too. So really they were thinking about themselves. Send them away so we can have some peace and quiet so that we can eat. I'm not sure what they would have to eat because we see later that they didn't have anything. But the disciples recognized the need but wanted them to deal with it themselves. Verse 34. And, when Je- and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were a sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When Jesus looks at the multitude, he has compassion. He sees their needs. And in the Gospel of Mark, one of those needs was for teaching. He wasn't angry that they had interrupted what he had wanted to do with his disciples. He saw all this, all this people gathered, and he felt sorry for them. Because he knew there was, there was a longing there that they probably didn't even quite understand themselves. Jesus wanted to meet the need. He wanted to meet the need for healing. He wanted to meet the need for teaching, all so that they would realize that what they needed was not healing and not teaching, but him. He wanted them to need him. In verse 64, we see that he received them and taught them and healed him. And by this time, there's a lot of people who are calling Jesus teacher or master, rabbi. They all called him that, but they still treated him like a servant. He called him master, but they were following him for what he could do for them. They were treating him like a servant. And Philippians 2, 6 and 7 says about Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Jesus, that king, willingly became the servant of all mankind. In all four Gospels, we see that he, when he um, feeds them, and this is verse 41 of chapter, Mark, uh, chapter 6 of Mark, and when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fishes divided he among them all. <coughs> He looked up to heaven and he gave thanks. He was a thankful servant. He, was a ser- he realized that he was a servant of his heavenly father. Even though he was equal with God, just like Philippians says, he realized, no, I am here to be a servant, and a servant is thankful to his Lord. He thanked God. And he was quite the contrast to the other rabbis 
The rabbis were used to having people serve them. But no, he served the people. It would be probably customary for if the rabbi was giving a lecture and he needed something to drink or a snack, somebody else goes and gets it for him. Not this teacher. He gets it for them. And then in verse 46, And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. Jesus spent time with his heavenly Father. He was a servant of his heavenly Father. And I'm sure part of this time spent with his heavenly Father was finding out what the Father wanted them to do next. He spent time. Jesus was focused on everyone but himself. Like we saw and and have mentioned, before this miracle, his disciples had just come back from being sent out by him. And he sent them because he wanted everyone to hear about him and the kingdom of God. And now being in the form of a servant and being a man and not God in that sense, he couldn't be everywhere at the same time. And his concern was so great for the people that he took these people who he was trying to teach and spend time with and build his church. He took those. He sent them away from him because he wanted to get that gospel out because that was what the people needed most. He couldn't be everywhere. I'm sure he wished he could be. Because he was a servant. And because he couldn't be everywhere at once, that brings us to Luke. Luke chapter 9. <clears throat> the main theme in the book of Luke is that Jesus is fully man. He took on the form of man. He took on the form of a servant. He restricted himself. Because he was fully man, he knows our physical needs. And he also knows our carnal desires and weaknesses. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. He knows all about you and all about what you're going through because he was fully man. And we see that here. As we said in Mark chapter 6, he knew his disciples needed a break. They had just heard about John's execution. They had just gotten back from being sent out. And that's tough. And the disciples, yes, they, were, they came back and they were rejoicing of how God had used them and the things that were going on. And they were riding high. They were on top of the world. But Jesus recognized their weakness and realized that these guys are probably going to hit the wall if we don't take a break. 
And they want to. When they came back from that, they're probably, yeah, Jesus, let's go. Next place. Here we go. Let's keep it rolling. Jesus realized the weakness of their frame. Said, no, guys, hold up. We need to come apart for a little bit. He knew their weakness. Even when they didn't realize their own weakness, Jesus knew about it. And we see Jesus in verse 11. And when the people, and the people when they knew it, followed him. So he calls them apart. When they knew it, they followed him. And he received them and spake unto them of the kingdom of God and healed them that had need of healing. Jesus received that multitude even though he was in the middle of a staff retreat. That word received has that idea of hospitality, of kinship. Like when relatives come over to your house, the way that you receive them. That's Jesus receiving this multitude. He knows them. He understands them. And he welcomes them. And as being fully man, verse 11, he realized that they needed healing. And that's why some of them came. They had heard about, maybe even seen, what he had done for some other people. And he, he realized, this person is sick. This person is lame. This person is blind. This person can't hear. This person has this. This person has that. And he healed them. He understood their physical weaknesses. And he wanted to help because he understands. We know that Jesus slept. Jesus wept. Jesus hungered. Jesus thirsted. He knows about you because he was fully man. They had need of teaching. That's mentioned here as well. He healed them that had need of healing. He spake unto them of the kingdom of God. And again, all four Gospels recorded the need that he understood that they needed to eat. Jesus needed to eat too. He had a physical body. But notice verse 13. In Luke's account here, he says, but he said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they said, We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all this people. He said, what, What's that among so many? The apostles looked at the situation and they said, We can't. Because they were looking at this situation in the eyes of their own ability, man's ability. All we've got is this, and this isn't even enough to feed us if it was just still our staff retreat. What is this? What's, what difference is this going to make? Why? They're looking at it through their own perspective, through a human perspective, through man's perspective. And when they looked at it that way, they realized this isn't going to cut it. It's interesting, they didn't ask Jesus how to do it. They didn't say, Jesus, we have Five loaves, two fishes. What do we do? No, they complained about it. 
That's what we do when we get in the flesh. We start complaining about things. We start looking at the work that God wants us to do. And we realize our inadequacies. I can't do it. And we complain to God. That's our flesh. That is man. Verse 17. Well, let's do verse 16. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes, and looking up to heaven, he blessed them and brake and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude. And they did eat and were all filled. And there was taken up of fragments that remained to them twelve baskets. That need of the flesh that this multitude had, Jesus met that too. That need of healing. Obviously, Jesus' main focus would be communicating the kingdom of God and trying to convince people to believe on him, but he also knew that people have a hard time listening when their stomach's growling. And he met that need too. Even that lesser one. And one that isn't as eternally important, Jesus says, I've got that too. I know what you need. They ate their fill and had leftovers from just that little amount of food. When we neglect the presence of the Lord, we complain and even despair because of the lack of our own strength. That's where Jesus comes in. And he understands that. When the Lord tells you, gives you a command, and you know what he wants you to do, he also knows how weak you are. Because he was fully man. And he wants to help you with that. You know, Luke's account here of this miracle is the shortest, and it seems to me that that has significance too. Because when we look at everything through the eyes of the flesh... That is, with our focus on self or the world, even the miraculous doesn't get much attention before we're ready to move on. So Luke has this miracle recorded for us and doesn't have a very long passage here talking about it. So just to give you an idea, Luke chapter 9. Luke does have some long chapters. I'll give you that. What's included in it? Sending the twelve to preach and heal. Herod's interest in Jesus. Feeding the five thousand. Dealing with the question of the disciples, whom say the people that I am. Teaches the apostles about his death, burial, and resurrection and taking up his cross. The Mount of Transfiguration. Failure of the disciples to cast out a demon. Argument over who will be greatest. James and John wanting to call down fire. His statement about the foxes have holes, let the dead bury their dead, and putting your hand to the plow and not looking back. All of that is in Luke chapter 9. And isn't that the way that we get when God meets our needs and blesses us? We're moving right on to the next thing. What's next, God? Keep it coming. Man looks at quantity. And only Jesus can satisfy the quantity that we need. Jesus is able to meet 
our human needs and empower us with the things that we need to carry out his work because he is not only fully man, he is fully God. And that brings us to the book of John. John chapter 6. Main theme of John is Jesus is fully God. And because he is fully God, his plan is bigger than any plan that man can imagine. And he can meet every need of every person. He has no weaknesses because he is God. He was in all points tempted like as we are, but without sin. John chapter 6, verse 2. And a great multitude followed him, because they saw his miracles, which he had did on them that were diseased. I don't know about you, but I don't like being taken for granted. Jesus sees this huge crowd of people and realizes, these people aren't here to hear my teaching. They aren't here to believe on me. They're here because they want more healing. If I'm honest and I get put in that situation, I'm tempted to tell people to go pound sand. No, you're not here for the right reason. Get out of here. But Jesus is God. His long-suffering is great. His mercy and His grace. And He looks at that multitude he says, yeah, I'll help. I know you're not here for the right reason. Maybe you're not here tonight for the right reason. But God can take care of that. God can turn your heart. God can turn your thoughts. He can get your attention. And God is long-suffering. He knows if there's strife in your heart, or some sort of difficulty here tonight. But he still wants to meet with you. Praise the Lord. He's not a cold, hard God. That if you don't keep everything exactly right, then forget it. No, he's long-suffering. They were motivated by the miracles and not the teaching, but God gave them both on that day. Verse number six, he tells the disciples to take care of this need. <clears throat> he says to Philip, where, where are we going to get food for these guys? Verse six, and this he said to prove him, for he, he himself knew what he would do. Jesus knew what he would do. None of this took him by surprise because he is fully God. Not one bit of this caught him by surprise. Understand this, that even in that moment, Jesus could have told his disciples everything about this entire encounter, just like he was reading it off the pages of our Bible. Because he's God. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew exactly what was going on. He knew what he would do. He could have told his disciples what he was going to do. He didn't have to deal with Philip in this way, but he did because he wanted to teach Philip something. 
in verse number 9. There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? You know, even the disciples, it seems, didn't have food. Or they were keeping that secret off to the side. <laughs> yeah, this is all we got right here. No, I suspect that they didn't have food either. Only a boy had thought to bring a bag lunch on this little outing. But the disciples probably didn't have food because they were used to, because in following Jesus, they had seen the Lord meet their needs time and time again. They didn't go hungry. They followed him around for three years. Did they starve to death? No. Following Jesus opened the door for their own needs to be met all along the way because he is God. Verses 12 and 13. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. I think Pastor Fryman brought this out, that Jesus didn't get carried away with making the food. No, he knew what he would do. This was the exact amount that he had planned. He planned for there to be leftovers. When I plan for fellowships, hopefully I plan for there to be some leftovers. This didn't catch Jesus by surprise. He didn't just keep making and making and making by mistake. No. This was under control. He knew what he would do. He made enough for everyone to eat their fill and provide a full basket for each of his apostles because they didn't have bread to start with. Verse 15. When Jesus therefore perceived that they would come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again into a mountain himself alone. He wasn't about to let them make him king. He knew their thoughts. He's God. He knew what they wanted to do. And he knew that that's not part of this plan. That's not what God and I planned from the very beginning before they even created everything. Before they even created everything, Jesus knew about this day when he would have to feed 5,000 plus people. And the devil tried to tempt him with that. Took him up into a high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world. Said, you can have it now. The people were going to... The people had the attitude, he can have it now, we'll give it to him. And Jesus said, no, because that's not according to the plan. And then in verses 25 through 27, and when they had found him on the other side, he, he sends them away, he sends his disciples over, he goes over after them. And when they had found him on the other side, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and fishes and were filled. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for the meat that, uh, which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath God the Father sealed. 
And he goes on into the discourse on the bread of life. Because of his plan, because of what he was doing, because he's not caught off guard, he takes this situation and he teaches those people. They're all impressed that they were fed by him. And he says, don't waste your time with this stuff. You need the bread of life. It was all planned. Now they had an object lesson fresh in their minds. And, well, they didn't respond too well to it. A lot of them walked away from them that day. Because they wanted the loaves and fishes. But Jesus used this feeding of them to teach them. Just a short while later, and isn't that the way that God works in our lives? He'll do something, and then it comes across later, and he's able to teach us. Hey, remember that situation that I took care of? Now I want to tell you something from his word about it. God's plans are deeper and longer range than we can see or understand. And when we follow him, he meets all our needs along the way because he is God. So we've seen Jesus in all four Gospels, this miracle that's recorded for us. See, there's no mention of who or what was healed. Other places in miracles that are recorded tells us exactly what Jesus healed. Not here. There's no sermon notes on the kingdom of God message that he taught. Matthew contains quite a long sermon from our Lord. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes. But we don't have that in this. There are some lesser details. The description of the loaves and fish, where they came from. Kind of a, a head count. But understand the important part isn't the healing. It's not the specific teaching. Or the meal. It's getting a good look at Jesus Christ. That's why this is here in all four. And that's the message that is coming across. Look at Jesus. He is king. He is sovereign. And you better make him the sovereign of your life. Because when he came, he came as the servant. He's not forcing you to make him king. He's asking you. He is sovereign. He is Lord. And you better see that. He is His command today, if you haven't already, is to repent of your sin and believe the Gospel. Believe that He is God and that He died on the cross for your sin. The other miracle that's recorded in all four. Believe that. Don't get hung up on the food. Don't get hung up on the healing. Don't get hung up on the blessing. You need to believe And make him Lord. And we see that he is sacrificing. He is that servant. For that picture of service. Look at him. If you know Christ as your Savior. Now he's asking you. And he asked his apostles. He taught them to be servants like him. He washed their feet. That same king who is going to come and rule with a rod of iron, and every nation shall bow to him. 
washed his disciples' feet. He is our picture of service. When you get interrupted by somebody, when you've got things to do, even if they're spiritual things, someone crosses your path, understand that God has a plan. And God wants you to serve. God wants you to see the need. And you know what? You can see the need because you are fully man. Like whoever it is that's interrupting you or a problem. Just like He was fully man. Jesus didn't see, an opportun- didn't see an inconvenience. He saw an opportunity when his staff retreat got interrupted. And he jumped all over it. Because he is a servant. And we are supposed to be like him. He is sympathetic. He is fully man. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your wants. He knows your needs. And so you can go to him. You can run to him with whatever it is that you're dealing with. Even after all of this had transpired that day, Jesus ran to his heavenly father to spend some time. Get your eyes on him and not on your own weaknesses. Ask him what you should do. You can say, Lord, I only have five loaves and two fishes. But instead of complaining about it, say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he is all sufficient. He is fully God. He can meet all of your needs, especially your eternal need. Food, healing, understanding, wisdom, How many times do we see in the Psalms, the psalmist just pouring out his heart to God? David just lays it out there. Lord, this is how I'm feeling. I'm not in a good place. He knows. And he wants to help. And he is God and he can help. This multitude ran to him for what they could get. We need to run to him for him. For our salvation, for our direction, for our service, for our supply, for our weaknesses, for our burdens. He is coming back one day. And he is coming back as king and as God. And the world will behold him. And every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess. Now is your opportunity. You can be fed by him. Nourished by him. Helped by him. Will you run to him tonight? Amen. 